This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio for a free trial and 10% off. Go to squarespace.com. Use offer code SWORD. Welcome to the Sword and Laser, episode number 173. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. And we are joined by a very special guest today, Kickstarter pledger and all-around great guy, writer, and cool person. God, I'm giving a lot of superlatives. I apologize. Brian Benson, welcome to the show. Thank you. I don't deserve it, but I appreciate it. <laughs> Dude, we, uh, we think you deserve it. Thank you for uh, backing the Kickstarter, helping make season two of video possible. We really appreciate that. Uh, no worries. Really wanted to help support you guys. I love the content you do. Thank you so much. And of course, if you are new to Sword and Laser, we are a book club, uh, podcast, video show, publisher now with the anthology that just came out this week, and so, so very much more. Uh, so yeah, we are going to wrap up our uh, pick for April, which was uh, Dance of Cloaks, and of course, talk about your book as well. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your story? Um, yeah, my story is, um, I mean, it's it's very, uh, sorry, it's, it's an action-driven story. Um, Heavy, heavy fantasy with a little bit of steampunk elements in it. Um, you know, I, I wanted to tell a story that kind of um, a story that I like to read because I like you know action and I like a, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, that's always uh, the best kind of story: writing what you know and love. All right, well, let's start off the show with our very first segment, What Are We Drinking? Um, I'm not drinking anything too fancy tonight. I'm having just a regular, typical bullet rye. Uh, I didn't want to open a brand-new bottle of wine because I have to go to China next week, and I drink very slowly, so that would just probably ruin it. Tom, what about you? I'm, I'm under-fancying you because I'm drinking water because it's freaking hot here. Is it? What, it is like 75, 76 here today, which is pretty hot 80s, for us. upper 80s right now. Okay, so you're you're only being a little bit of a baby. I am being a little bit of a baby, uh, but I don't <laughs> care. I want to stay hydrated. Brian, are you drinking anything special? Yes, I'm drinking Virgil's root beer. Not very hard, Ooh, but very uh, nice. But still a little classy. And I have to say, I'm in Austin, so eighty. Cry some more. What What is it right <laughs> now in Austin, though? It's actually not too hot today, but yesterday it was like ninety six. Oh, really? Was it that hot yesterday? Oh, wow. Yeah. No, that's. Uh, I remember standing out waiting for the bus in Austin in a hundred degree weather. Man, that is that is no fun. It's like it's ninety five degrees in the shade around there. Ugh. No, thank yeah. you. I am too much of a delicate flower for that kind of situation, for sure. All right. Well, let's kick off the official first segment of the show: the quick burns. Yeah, so uh, we had a great thread going on Goodreads asking folks, uh, what do you like about the show? What things you, would you want to change, do different, improve? Uh, and we got some amazing ideas. So one of them is that we're going to start relying on the community for more of the news in the QuickBird, stuff that piqued your interest. Uh, so get in there and do more of it. Go to the Goodreads.com forum, find that news section, and post stuff. Absolutely. And of course, our very first uh, piece of news comes from Ben. He writes, pretty big news on the Star Wars tie-in front. All existing EU novels will be rebranded as Star Wars Legends and considered non-canon. <sighs> this is kind of crazy. Like uh, Timothy Zahn, for instance, non-canon. 
crazy stuff. Uh, all upcoming novels will be considered part of a unified canon consisting of episodes one through six, plus future films, uh, The Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. Uh, it's a bit sad for those of us who grew up reading a lot of EU before the prequels, but I think giving people a new jumping on point is probably a good idea, Ben says. I'm sure the old EU will continue to be mined for characters, locations, etc. as well. Uh, for example, I'd be very surprised if we don't see some canon version of Thrawn or Mara Jade at some stage, and that's coming to us from theforce.net. Yeah, a bunch of people have said, that's it, Admiral Thrawn is dead. They'll never use Mara Jade. That may be. They may or they may not. But I think what J.J. Abrams is doing uh, and what Disney is doing, probably more than J.J. Abrams, is we need to have a fresh slate. These these future sequels were not planned mm-hmm. the way they are now. And there's so much expanded universe stuff out there that it would be impossible to try to to have the flexibility to make a movie that they wanted to make and try and, and try to navigate all of that expanded universe stuff. I, I feel like this is a good idea as well, but I'm sure, like you like you mentioned, a lot of Star Wars fans out there are probably going to get a bit up in arms. In fact, I feel like I should talk to Bonnie Burton about this because she's so well-versed in the universe sure. of Star Wars, having you know run the blog for so many years and been such a major part of all the conventions and activities that fans have been doing. Uh, I'm curious to know what she thinks about this in particular. Uh, but I wonder if this will carry over to other universes because, I mean, Star Wars has been going through, uh, I mean, Star Trek, rather, has been going through a major canonical change uh, well, you know, it's a, the Marvel you know, Universe has had reboots from time to time. Sure. And they've handled it different ways, right? Star Trek did it with J.J. Abrams by saying, <laughs> alternate universe, you know. Destroyer of cannons. Yeah. <laughs> J- I am J.J. Abrams, destroyer of cannons. I'm going to call him that from now on. <laughs> and, uh, I actually have to chime in here a little bit, if you don't mind. Um, no, of course. Be- I am n- in no way an authority on this, but I actually work on um, the uh, Old Republic game. So I'm really curious as how that's going to affect our future development and how everything's going to go. I'm not in the know, so I have no knowledge of said things. Sure, sure. Um, but it's going to be interesting how how we're able to proceed from that because you know our service is still still going on. So well, yeah. All of a sudden, you have. I'm sorry, you have to delete these dozen characters and NPCs from your game. They are no longer canon. They're struck. That would <laughs> be weird. Sad that Revan's not canon anymore. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're, I mean, it it might become canon, but they're basically saying there's all bets are off mm-hmm. on all that stuff. Uh, Louis posted this one. He said uh, he he quotes Doctor Henry Jones Jr. Archaeology is the search for fact, not truth. If it's truth you're looking for, Doctor Tyree's philosophy class is right down the hall. Uh, what he's saying is Ready Player One author Ernest Klein uh, was going on a quest to uncover the facts of a 30-year-old legend involving a landfill and the worst video game in history, E.T. for Atari. Uh, and he linked to more details about Ernie Klein's involvement of that. And of course, they found them later on in the thread. Uh, we got a posting that this weekend on Saturday, they they found hundreds of copies of E.T., the Atari game, in the landfill in Alamogordo, New Mexico. That is Ernie crazy. Klein yeah, there's pictures. There. Yeah, yeah, he was. This is incredible. So, digging in Alamo Gordo, New Mexico today, excavators discovered cartridges for the critically panned Atari ET buried in the landfill way back in 1983 after Atari couldn't figure out what else to do with their unsold copies. They just threw them out. For decades, legend had it that Atari put millions of ET cartridges in the ground, though some skeptics have wondered whether such an extraordinary event actually happened. Apparently, very true. That is pretty amazing. 
Also, couldn't they have recycled them or done something with those cartridges or like copied over the, they can. the cards right. or use them for arts and crafts of some kind? Yes, there we go. We're bringing in Bonnie Burton again. Make some arts and crafts <laughs> out of the old ET cartridge. I'm doing vaginal fantasy with her later. I'll have to uh, bring up all these ideas with her in the, in the pre-show. That is so funny. Um, bookshelf who contributes quite a bit, uh, posted on the forums a large collection of spaceship concept art. Um, this is pretty cool. It's over at conceptships.blogspot.com. And, wow, this is a big page. It took a really long time to load because there are a ton of images. So, so you know, go get, a, go get a sandwich or something while it's loading, but it's worth it. Like, these are amazing prototypes. Or, I guess they're yeah. prototypes? Concepts, I guess. Concept yeah. art, yeah. There's all sorts of great ships in here. Um, are there ones from specific... Let's see. I'm trying to see see if there's anything we recognize. It's kind of the the sort of thing you want to load and then just like kind of lean back and scroll through for hours. Yeah. Very cool stuff. Uh, we have lots of winners for awards. We have the uh, 2014 BSFA Awards. That's the British Science Fiction Awards. That's over on sfsignal.com. Uh, for best novel, we have a tie between Gareth L. Powell for Ak Ak Oh, how do I say that? Ak Ak Macak. Yeah, sure. Ack, ack, macaque. It's more <laughs> fun Anne that Lucky. way. Yeah, for Ancillary Justice, of course. I would like to remind everyone that I said that she would win all the awards this year. And You're so right. far, she is winning all the awards. Uh, we have Best Short Fiction for Spin by Nina Allen. Best Art, the cover of Tony Ballantine's Dream London by Joey Hi-Fi. And Best Nonfiction, Wonder Book by Jeff Vandermeer. Yeah, this is this is great. Uh, big, big uh, congratulations to Anne Lecky uh, for for winning. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we're cheering for her because we had her on the show and we read her as one of the books. Uh, but yeah, it's a good selection of stuff there. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have the 2014 Philip K. Dick Awards, uh, and those winners have been announced on last uh, Friday or Friday, April 18th. Uh, let's see, we've got the. Um, the winner for the Distinguished Original Science Fiction Paperback, published for the first time during 2013 in the USA, is Countdown City by Ben H. Winters. And a special citation was given to the Self-Reference Engine by Toe and Joe. Uh, so, yeah, another couple of great books. Of course, this the Philip K. Dick Award is interesting because all of the winners are paperbacks. Yeah. Um, so that's that's notable in case you're wondering why certain books weren't nominated or didn't win kind of an honor of the fact that Philip K. Dick uh, made his career as a paperback only author in the early mm-hmm. days. If you find first editions of early Philip K. Dick works, uh, and by early, I, I mean most of his career, they're going to be book club editions. They, they never put out actual hardcover editions of a lot of his major works, except in the sci-fi or fantasy book clubs, uh, or even the, just the regular book of the month clubs. I know I have a copy of self, self-reference engine somewhere that I was looking for on my bookshelf over here, but can't see it quite from this angle so i'll have to look for it later but definitely one that i've been meaning to pick up myself all right uh we are sponsored today as you may have noticed by squarespace.com which is also where our website lives uh squarespace is the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website your own online portfolio and if you would like to try it out why don't you just go do the free trial? You don't have to do anything. Just go to squarespace.com, start working on a site. If you decide to get the site, you're like, no, this is good. I need to keep this. Don't pay yet. Get 10% off by using the offer code SWORD when you check out. That's S-W-O-R-D. Um, we, we're working in Squarespace earlier today. 
right? Oh, yeah. Doing Sword and Laser. It's, it's, it's where we live when we're updating swordandlaser.com. Yep. Hint, hint. I was updating the uh, store section at SNL Store that you can find at our top nav. So you guys should check that one up. But yeah, uh, definitely, Squarespace, thank you so much for your continued support of the show. We are big fans over here at Sword and Laser. Yeah. One of the things that I love about it, and you may have noticed this if you've looked at swordandlaser.com on a tablet or a phone, is that Squarespace automatically changes the template in a way that makes sense, preserves your design aesthetic, but works better. You know, it like puts the menus in different places so that it works for that five inch screen or that 10 inch screen. Uh, and, and we don't do that. You may think, wow, you guys are impressive with your coding. No, yes, we totally, I no. mean, yes, we don't I mean, do no. that at all. It's all Squarespace. They just, it's a mobile ready design that adapts on the fly. So you can have that too for your own website. Start a trial, no credit card required. Just start building your website, like I said. And when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code SWORD to get 10% off uh, and show your support for Sword and Laser. Th- th- yeah. Thanks, Squarespace. It you is go. smarter than I, than I, I have to be which I appreciate. <laughs> I don't need to be that smart to use Squarespace. I just built a website for my mom using Squarespace too, and she updates really? it just fine also, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. So it's, it's a great way to, to work on some projects quick and easy, and it's got really great tools, uh, simple to use, but also looking amazing. All right, well, let's move on uh, to the picks section. Now, uh, this is the segment formerly known as the calendar. And uh, we are changing things a little bit around uh, based on the feedback that we got over on Goodreads about how we should fix things on the show or change things a little bit to make it more, you know, interesting or or cool for you guys. Um, So this is going to be more, it's more just a list of what's coming out. It's kind of what we're excited about and what you guys are excited about. Um, So we have one pick from David who writes, I'm about halfway through Farina by George Meredith. I'm loving it. The style of language is strange, but it fits the story just fine. The story has some fairy tale tropes, knights, robber barons, damsel in distress, poor but honest and heroic young lad. Lots of classic stuff. Just a fun read. Uh, I think I'll have to add some more Meredith to my to read list as if it's not long enough already. Yeah, that's it from the what else are you reading thread at Goodreads. So go check that out. Put put your own what else you're reading stuff in there and it might make it into the picks section. I'm reading Republic of Thieves by Scott Lynch, which I have been dying to read for almost a year now. Mm-hmm. I finally cleared my schedule enough to be able to read it and I can't put it down. I'm doing the audiobook so you guys could take issue whether I'm reading or not, whatever. I am really enjoying it. I'm sticking those headphones in my ear every chance I get. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I am reading uh, Dreams of God and Monsters, which is from the Daughter of Smoke and Bones trilogy, and I am absolutely loving it too. It's by Leonie Taylor, and it's wrapping everything up. I'm almost, I'm about halfway through right now, uh, but it's it's all about angels and chimera and kind of this battle for Earth that's taking place right now, and it's it's really exciting. There's a little bit of romance, but it's not it's not heavy handed. Um, oh, so, Republic yeah, of Thieves so. is is like half romance, half politics. Really? Yeah. There's a lot of romance in Republic of Thieves. Well, because you get Sabatha and and Locke in the same room. Gotcha. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. Brian, what are you reading right now? Um, well, it's nothing new. I've been trying to catch up on um actually have it here uh the Jim Butcher's uh Codex Hilaria series. Um because I haven't read all the ones that are out. Um also on the uh what I just picked up is uh Avengers Arena, so graphic novel side. Um, I'm a big graphic novel reader as well. Yeah, I just uh, got Avengers Arena and finished the uh, the uh, third trade of that. It's really good, really you know, really kind of dark teenage. Like, yeah, I mean, it's you know, Battle Royale with Marvel teenage superheroes, basically. Battle Royale. What do you, so you're a big comics reader? 
Um, comics, and I read a lot of uh, you know manga as well. So, mm -hmm. so do you have any opinion on on Amazon purchasing Comicsology? Is that something that's changing your life in any kind of meaningful way? Um, it hasn't been just because I I'm like a big I mainly buy the, the go to the stores actually get the physical copies uh, and bring them home. Um, You're a long box I, I reader. Go, yeah, I go kind of in and out of comics from time to time. So I'm like, oh well, you know, now I'm into one series and I get all of them. So. Very cool. Um, other notable things happening uh, later this month. On May 20th, actually, I guess that's next month, technically, we have My Real Children by Joe Walton. Uh, we are big Joe Walton fans over here um, after we read Among Others a few months ago. And is this part of, this is a different series, right? This is a standalone novel? Yeah, I think, I think they're all standalone novels. This one takes place in 2015. Patricia Cohen is very old. Uh, confused today. Read the notes clipped to the end of her bed. She forgets things, what year it is, major events, stuff like that. But she remembers things that don't seem possible. She remembers marrying Mark and having four children. And she remembers not marrying Mark and raising three children with B instead. She remembers the bomb that killed President Kennedy in 1963. Oh. And she remembers Kennedy in 1964 declining to run for president again. So... What's going on here? There's a little alternate history, alternate memory. Is she just confused? Is there more to it? Uh, sounds really interesting. Two lives, two worlds. I like it. It's like an alt history wrapped up in, in kind of a fantastical story, yeah. uh, a mystery as well. Sounds interesting. So if you want uh, more upcoming releases, uh, check out swordandlaser.com slash calendar. All the stuff we would in the past have just read out for you. It's all available there. All right, well, let's move on to the Book of the Month discussion. Now, of course, our pick this month for April was A Dance of Cloaks by David Daglish. And uh, Doglish? Doglish. David Doglish. And Brian, you picked this for us. Can you tell us why you decided to go with this one? Yeah, you know, I, I spent some time thinking about, like, the what I would like to pick for this, for this month. And every time I came to something that was really... Uh, impactful for me. I was like, oh, you guys have done that, or it's something that, it, like most people have read, like um, Fahrenheit 451. Like that's that's my one of my all-time favorite books, one of my biggest inspirations. But um, and I came to this one, and for me, it's just a fun, just action adventure kind of kind of story. I, I like his novels. Um, and I respect him as a self-published author and now published, but um, I just respect him from that from from that viewpoint. So. Mm -hmm. So, all right. This book was difficult for me. Should we should we talk about our own opinions first, or should yeah, we? Yeah, sure. Through let's let's go through it because because uh, I know at one point you you texted me and you're like, uh, I'm not sure if I'm liking this. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. I had a little bit of trouble with this particular story. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a fan of grim dark. I've read a lot of grim dark. Uh, well, not a lot. I guess I I, sh I shouldn't couch it that way. Um, but you this read a one, lot of Joe Abercrombie. I've read a lot of Joe Abercrombie. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Uh, that that is much more accurate. Um, this just felt like it was pulling me down. I felt like there was no light at the end of the tunnel. I felt like there was so much violence and so much sadness and strife that I, I never really felt lifted out of the grim dark. I think that's something that I appreciate about Joe Abercrombie is that he mixes enough humor and enough kind of lightness in with the story that even though it is, you know, they can be pretty oppressively violent um, at the same time, you, you, you get the sense that, you know, there's going to be some funny moments or something interesting is going to happen or, or one of the heroes will, will probably eventually prevail, uh, you know, whether or not that's a good thing, it, it's going to happen. Um, but for me, I didn't feel like even Hearn, 
I don't really ever felt like he was a good guy, but also not. Like, I wanted him to be the bright point in the book, and I don't know if I ever really got that sense. Well, that's funny. See, because I thought, oh, he, because he, I'm sitting here the whole time you're talking thinking like, yeah, but Aaron slash Heron, like, mm-hmm. that's that's the thing I held on to is like, he's going to, he's going to pull you through. He's going to be that moral uh, re- redemption for you. And I, I, I didn't feel like he was a bad guy ever. And he's still killing people. Well, He's still okay. Jamie Lannister. I mean, everybody, well, Jamie Lannister. That's a discussion for a different day. <laughs> we can we can touch on that in a different episode. Arya completely. kills people too. She but. does. She does. Um, I also just felt like there were too many characters. I felt like every every other chapter I was oh, being introduced to a He even a says that. I don't know if you read the postscript, mm-hmm. but he even says that. Like you know, he he was very ambitious in creating the scenes. And I understand that this was. Was it his first published? It was his first published novel. Is that is that accurate, Brian? Um, well, it's it's the first one that he is being published. But his first, I believe, his first self-published one is uh, the Half Orc series, um, which okay. is um, which I read that uh, after I read this one. Which those actually set. This is my second time reading uh, Dance of Cloaks, and that it just those other ones really set this differently for me now. Gotcha. So yeah, I liked. I did like some of the some of the characters. Um, I I felt like you know what was what was her name? I'm I'm losing her name right now. The daughter. Kayla. Kayla. Yeah, I liked Kayla a lot, and then that didn't end very well. And then you know, so there was a lot that I felt like by the time I got interested in a character enough, they were ultimately killed oh, off. Yeah, in some Kayla fashion. was the other thief um, that joined the the crew. But what, who was the daughter? What was the name of the daughter of the the Lord? Alyssa. Alyssa. What about her? She was kind of a bitch. I don't like. She was okay. I mean, she she stood up for herself, but like, she was just kind of. I I kind of felt like she was a little bit snotty. I I never found her particularly likable. You know, I I I I liked this book well enough. I think I gave it two or three stars, not because I I, I disliked it, but because it jerked around a little bit too much for me. Like. I, I, I would start to roll in one direction and then it, I would get a feel like it was an abrupt transition. And I think that is just a symptom of trying to have so many storylines uh, going on that, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I don't know if I would have broken it up into more uh, or if or, or, or if I would have tried to simplify the story. But I did love the idea of the politics of the city and mm-hmm. this idea of the thieves versus the king and then this separate you know, political influence that sort of says, yeah, that the king's really not the power here. Uh, So that struggle was interesting because it's usually a lot simpler than that. And I also loved the, the secret society and the religious aspect with, you know, the, the outcast uh, women who who are trying to redeem themselves, but then rebel against that because you have this light and dark side to religion that isn't apparent right away, but it kind of reveals itself over time. And you realize that, oh, what we thought was good may not be so good. So the world was was pretty cool. Brian, the, the, I know you uh, you really respect this author. Uh, yeah. Tell us tell us the bright points. Tell us the good things. <laughs> well, I mean, there, there, the, Veronica is right. There, there is a lot of darkness in there. Um, the when I first read it, you know, I, I was I was kind of taken aback. Because I, I wanted to see what happens, what Heron would do um, with this freedom um, that that you know, he fought for, but reading back on it in comparison to his other works, I realized there is just a lot of death and 
sadness all around just because of the whole um, because of the whole fact that he has so many characters that he introduces that ultimately aren't in the later books so he hmm. he kills them off now I kind of wish that in some cases he would have kept some of them around at least for more of the trilogy and some of them he does and they they don't matter as much later on or, or something like that um, but for me what I enjoy about the book is um, I just I feel like he he's very clear with his sort of action scenes to the point where it's not overdone you know where I, I feel that he doesn't go into too much like just mechanical detail about every single thing but these are very complex fights that I kind of I understand how they're flowing and how, how they're going um, and ultimately I do, I do like Heron as a character just because he was raised in this sort of dark world and where he is a monster and he starts to realize maybe this isn't how people actually act and stabbing your own brother is not the best etiquette, the best thing to do? Well, we kind of set up, like, that was that was an interesting setup for that character, I think, because you get this scene and you're like, oh, this kid is heartless. This kid is cold. And then I was kind of intrigued by that character. I was, like, intrigued by this kid that is, like, will totally do whatever it takes and is very methodical. And then... I guess maybe I wanted him to be that character. Maybe your, I wasn't your looking. Your problem is he wasn't dark enough. <laughs> maybe that's it. Maybe I wanted Aaron Heron to be. Maybe I liked Aaron better than Heron. Maybe that's what it was. You know, I I I understand that he becomes a much more important character in that other, or he is an important character in that other series, the Half Orc series, right? Yeah. And um, so that's why they decided to write a prequel about him. Is that how it worked, or is he in a different series? Yeah, no, he's in the half work. Um, so basically, all of uh, uh, Dalgish's Dalgash, whatever, um, <laughs> all of his all of his books are they they started with the half work series, and then as you get introduced, um, like they you know the the Shatter Dance is the prequel to sort of Heron and this group that one of the orcs joins in um in in the half work series, um, and he also has his Paladins book, which ties all that in because there are some Paladins that come in in like, I think it's book four of the Half Work series. So they, their kind of adventures start separately to lean up to ha the Half Work stuff. Um, you know, I, I, I do like the kind of world that he does build because this city is very, you know, starts off very complex, but then as you, as you get more into the other series, you realize that city's not that important. Hmm. It's kind of its own little standalone island. Gotcha. Okay. All right, well, let's uh, move into some of the things that people have been saying in the forums. Uh, one thing that I loved was this uh, this visual representation of Drezel that Steve drew for us in the forums. It's called a Desril, sorry, Desril Etiquette Guide. Um, and it shows peasant and peasant interaction. They say hello and shake hands. They both live. Peasant and guild member. They say hello. Shwink! Stab, stab, stab. Stab, stab, stab. <laughs> Peasant is dead. Guild member and guild member. Hello, hello. Shwink, stabby, 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 stab, 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 Both are dead. Kayla and guard. Flip, 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 flip. That's the sound of daggers being thrown, and then there's like a million daggers in the body. I love the dagger thing. Although, how many daggers did she have on her at any given time? Because, man, she never seemed to run out. She runs out. When? When did she run out? She never ran out of daggers. When she was saving Heron, she only had two. She gave one to him. Oh, no, she had like a, a couple. And then okay. she, she had just enough. 
I did. Have I'm a... sure she probably had some extra ones. I was imagining her like Chewbacca with just like this thing of daggers all the way around her. It's like in movies but... when people have gun gunfights, and you know, there's usually only like right. 10, 10, 10 ammo in in a magazine, and they're just shooting and shooting and shooting. And you're like, you would have run out of ammo a long time ago. Same with daggers. Um, and then we also have a thread about Lady Henchman uh, that I thought was great. This was from Adelaide. Um, she says, so I'm about 100 pages into the book, and while it's not exactly my bag, I'm enjoying it okay. Uh, one thing that I like about it is that the lady henchmen, hench people, whatever, I think of books as having foreground, middle ground, and background characters, and a lot of the middle ground and background characters who serve as henchmen for the bad guys are always dudes, and it bugs me. Uh, one of the reasons that I like Big Trouble in Little China so much is that there's a squad of lady bad guys. Also, it is perfect. Um, so far, there have been some nice middle ground lady assassins, and one of the main female characters is just essentially Thren's henchmen. Um, I'm hoping for some explicitly female background baddies, but background characters don't often get that kind of detail. Um, so I thought that was interesting because there are, you know, there, it seems to be pretty 50-50 in terms of hench people in this world, um, and I think that's 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 nice for a different uh, for a different change. Uh, you know, women can be just as murdery as the dudes can. Joe yeah. Informatico was even saying like the book has a retro sensibility. In, in that it reminds him of fantasy novels that he loved 20, 15 or 20 years ago, but na but has an updated feeling because of that, that character spread. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some of the, the female characters were, were probably some of my favorite favorites in the book as well. Um, so I definitely, definitely dug that also. Uh, Paulo has a dissident word to talk about. Uh, he says, I see most of the people that are posting here in Goodreads are somewhat disliking this month's pick. Um, I'm halfway through the book, and despite its flaws, there are some qualities that I'd like to point out here. Okay, so everyone resorts to killing instead of talking. Characters are flat from Thren. Power is all that matters to Aaron. I'm shy, but I'm a killer. Oh, I think that's being unfair to Aaron. But... And the cards die so easily they should all be wearing red shirts. Uh, however, the plot surprised me in a good way. This should be the story about Aaron growing up, but instead it's a complex war between thieves and merchants with the additional complication of two neutral parties, the king and the priests. There are plenty of characters which may or may not become important in the future, and the result is a bubbling pot that makes me uncertain about what is going to happen. I can't say it's a masterpiece, but I'm having fun with it, and sometimes this is what really matters. And then there's a lot of people who agreed with him in that thread as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that... Uh, I, this is this is I, you know what actually I think who was it has said it Terp Kristen said it uh, this is a popcorn book and 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 you you get a lot of really fun scenes and a lot of uh, fun elements and a cool world here um, Brian we'll give you the last word before we move we move out of uh, talking about dance yeah um, well I mean a lot of that I agree with like I, I, I you know, rereading it in retrospect, I, I do see the flaws that are in it. But like like they said, like it's for me it's just like a fun popcorn con book. Like yeah, I mean there there are dark elements, but sometimes I just want a book that's a little bit I guess a little bit um easier to swallow, a little bit a little bit easier to get through than, you know, even while it's expertly written like a you know Patrick Rothfuss. Like you know, all of his books are expertly written but like you know, I feel like this is just a quicker read. So just I'm sitting around the weekend and just flip through it, and you know, have a good time with it. 
All right. Now, we actually had some questions in the forums for you specifically um, because you are an author and you are here joining us on the Google Hangout. And Terp Kristen uh, says, what world is the brand your book supposed to be set on? Is it Earth or is it Earth in a potential future? Well, should we should we set up what brand is about a little bit? Uh, well, we did kind of ask him in the beginning, but well, I guess it's good to have a have a refresher on that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so the brand is... It's set in a world that's now to answer that question, it's not Earth. It's just sort of just a random, a, you know, just a random fancy world, whatever. I, I actually don't have a name proper for the world, for the continents I do. But um, but basically there are two uh, two distinct factions of humans and like sort of uh, non-humans that are in an uneasy sort of stalemate. Uh, they're they're not war, but they're kind of an uneasy terms with each other, and there are these creatures called the Derek that basically are running rampant, like attacking mainly one of the the one of the factions, not not the other one as much. Like some of them uh, attack them, and the story focuses on uh, CL, who works for a faction called the Order, and uh, she she's an exorcist, but and she basically just goes around and using her magical gauntlet arm, mechanical arm thing and uh, slays these creatures. Excellent. All right. So it is not Earth. It is a, kind of like an Earth-like planet, you would I'm say. I'm getting bloom here. Sorry about that. What's that? I said, I'm getting all sunlight coming in. The sun's setting now, so it's just pouring in. <laughs> that's all right. We can fix it in post. Not really, but that's okay. <laughs> um, and, and Turb also wants to know, if your book was a video game, what kind of game would it be? Uh, your bio at Amazon says that you work on games as your day job. So would it be an RTS, an FPS, an adventure, a platformer? What would you choose? So this is actually, like, I'm, I'm very big on, like, game design philosophy and that kind of thing. And I feel like my novel in itself wouldn't serve as a good a good video game point just because I, f I feel the, the way that the characters fight, I think it would be a little, a little weird to, I mean, sure I could create like sort of a, uh, a one-off thing. I love RPGs. Um, but I don't feel like it would be, I don't think it would work that well. However, the world itself, I feel could be like an action RPG, like set prior to the events that CL is in, in the book, there are a lot more exorcists and there are a lot more variety of powers that they have, and there's a lot more action. There, there has a potential for a lot more action. Um, so action RPG, but set prior to the uh, events of the book. Awesome. Yeah, I like that. A prequel, a prequel game. Yeah. Very cool. And then uh, we have a question from Rob that kind of goes back on our earlier discussion of Grimdark. He says, a lot of discussion this month and a lot of discussion in the author interviews over the past couple of months have centered around the Grimdark genre. Uh, no one seems to agree on what that term means, and a few authors on the show have claimed it just doesn't exist. It's a boogeyman of the genre. Uh, so what is your definition of Grimdark, and what do you think the value is in a Grimdark novel? I mean, to be honest, like I feel like Calling a novel anything is just just to give you an idea of what to expect in it. I mean, if it's called grim dark, sure. If it's called like you know dark, you know epic fantasy, sure. I, I feel like people shouldn't get too hung up on on what something is. Uh, just, I, I mean, you know, just just don't get hung up on on this whole you know grim dark term and just maybe liken it to other things and. And, like, new terms come about, and, you know, I mean, heck, if it's grimdark, it's grimdark. I just, I feel like 
there shouldn't be like debate over like, oh, is this grim dark? Is this grim dark? You know, it should just. It's kind of like just like what you like. Yeah, yeah, basically, and you know, use it as identifier, sure. But if you don't feel like um, like you know, it's dark enough to be. It's not as dark as Game of Thrones or something like that. You know, I I, I just think that's semantics at, at a certain point. Gotcha. All right. Well, that's it for our wrap up of A Dance of Cloaks. Um, I, 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 I feel kind of bad not liking it because also David contacted me on Goodreads and was excited that we were reading it. So now I feel like a jerk face. Uh, but, you know, it's not for everyone. Sometimes I know I, I know there's a couple of people like Terp on the forums who aren't that into violent kinds of stories. And it's not for everyone, but a lot of other people really enjoyed it. They enjoyed the popcorn aspect of it. You know, Terp's being, the one who liked the popcorn aspect of it. Yeah. Too, you know? So there you go. Exactly. So there's a little something for everyone out there in the world. And, you know, if it's not your style, there's always plenty of other options out there. You know, even if you just look in our forums, people are, are putting stuff, uh, reading suggestions online all the time. So, uh, yeah, that's that's it for this month. Uh, let's move on to Bear Your Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. Now, I got this great message from Chuck Wendig the other day. He was like, I have some invites for this thing called Storium. Would you be interested in trying it out? And I was like, yes, I like writing. I like things like this. I like the internet. I would be happy to try this thing out. Um, so Storium, in case you don't know, is a, it, it's a kickstarted platform for storytelling. And it seems to remind me a lot of Dungeons and Dragons right now, but mostly because the story that I picked that I'm working on is a very like classic fantasy kind of setting, and I'm taking my adventurers into a like a set of catacombs and mad caves, and they're doing things that are very typically Dungeons it's and Dragons. Very dungeony, yeah. It is very dungeony right now, um, but there's all sorts of different uh, story types that you can do. Uh, so what's really cool is that if you're a Kickstarter backer, you can log in and you can start a story, and they have like a preset list of templates that you can use. So you can do like a steampunk story, or a sci-fi story, or a fantasy story, um, any number, or urban fantasy, for example. Tons of different genres to choose from. And uh, as the Kickstarter goes on, it unlocks different types, um, templates that have been written by actual authors, Chuck Wendig included. Um, so you can actually work on a story type that has been done by an author that you may well very know. Uh, may know very well, rather. I'm spooning because I'm drinking whiskey. Hold on a second. Let me take another sip. <laughs> ah. Um, so it's it's cool because you go into this template and you're given a bunch of different character types and you're given uh, obstacles and uh, different cards, items, things that you can choose from. Of course, if you have an idea for a story of your own, you can start a blank template and kind of create it from the ground up. Um, so like I said, I'm doing a fantasy story. Tom is in there with me. We have four other Sword and Laser members that are also contributing. We're on the second chapter right now. Unfortunately, if you're not a Kickstarter backer, I don't think that you can see the story in progress, um, which is kind of too bad. But Because I tried to show it to my friend Ralph the other night, and, and he, he, couldn't couldn't, he couldn't see it. Oh, okay. Um, but I donated to the Kickstarter um, because I wanted, I thought it was a great idea and it, it kind of reminds me of almost like a NaNoWriMo type format where you're contributing to a story in progress and uh, I'm the narrator right now so I'm kind of, I'm the dungeon master, I'm deciding where the story goes but you can just be a regular player and jump into any kind of story that's already on the website and contribute your own ideas and I think that's pretty cool. It's collaborative writing. 
Yeah, it's been really fun to to play along. I don't know any of the other people, and I don't even know who they are. Because, <laughs> you know, they just signed in with with usernames, and then they have their their player names or their character names. Um, and it you know it's taken a little bit for us to get the rhythm of it. I think, uh, but it's it's fun to like if you have the right confluence of people who are picking up you know the pieces and moving it ahead that's always mm-hmm. the problem with these kind of progressive stories right is is whether you're actually going to all pull in the right direction to make it interesting and fun but so far it has been uh we're, yeah. we're sitting in a cave looking at some riddled doors and it's confusing and i, I think know. uh i think my elf is going to have to pull out some magic here i think so i gave you a magical torch so you better use it i, think, I used I the magical torch to get into the cave i still have it in my hand well you need it to see in the cave tom yeah, that's what I'm setting you up for. Is so I'm, you can, I'm holding. You can lead the group. I, I, I've got it. I've given you an important role. I'm I'm carrying the torch. <laughs> but it's great because as a narrator, I kind of set up the scene and I have like an idea of kind of where I want the story to go. But I don't want to give them too much information because I want them to be creative on their own. So it's kind of like I can ask them to revise their their bits if I don't like what they wrote. And I can leave comments. And we have like a little chat window on the side too that you can add to in case things get confusing. And it, it is all very confusing, but it's also really fun so far. So uh, I think they've already way surpassed their Kickstarter goal. So I'm pretty sure this is going to go public pretty soon. Uh, but I think it's a great idea. And I, you know, people have done a lot of collaborative storytelling stuff before, but I think this is a great implementation of that idea. Storium.com, S T O R I U M. Kickstarter, I mean, uh, sorry, not Kickstarter, awards. What am I talking about? Am I drunk already? I can't possibly be drunk already. Oh, no, I've had you? like half of a drink. I'm not even done yet. Uh, the Killian, word I meant to say. Let me, let, me, let me take this one. Okay. Killian has solved our seven-year-long problem of <laughs> how do we do sword and laser awards? Because we're always like, well, should we do them? Should we do them as a vote? How do we make sure they're different so that it's not just like, here's our own version of the Hugos, right? Because mm-hmm. the Hugos already exist and the Nebulas already exist and the Campbell already exists. And and it's like, how, we've, we've never really cracked it. And I think Killian finally cracked it. Uh, he said at the end of the year, we vote for the best sci-fi and the best fantasy book that we read in the past year. So it's it's the sword and laser award for the books that we read, which means it's not going to be the best new book of the year because we read a lot of different books from a lot of different eras. Uh, he suggested that we actually I'm saying he because he's got uh, the Walter White logo, but I don't know. Kelly could be anybody. Uh, True. Uh, suggested that we have a sword winner and a laser winner and then we have a final vote for an overall winner. Um, and I'm not sure if we want to do that, or if we want to just leave it at sword and laser, but I'm, yeah. I'm definitely in to this idea of like, you know, let's, let's just at the end of the year, take all the books we've read over the past 12 months and put them up for a vote and, and get, and get an, a sword and laser award. It'd be fun. The, well, they think that name is dull. So oh, right. people no, were like suggesting that. the Lemmy, though I think that maybe that sounds a little negative because when we Lem something, it means we stop reading it. Yeah, but Lem is also the name of the dragon, which is a very positive thing. And then if we call it the Lemmy, we, we could do what the Oscars do, right? Mm-hmm. It's actually the, the Academy of the Motion Picture Arts and Sciences Award. They just call it the Oscar because of the man, right? So it's the Sword and Laser Award, but we, may, we make an award that looks like Lem. And then I like it'll be that. The Lemmy. The Lemmy is the award. Ah, 
know. We'll have to maybe we'll talk. That's a little like lamey for people who don't know any better. That's true. But what else could we call it? I don't know what we would call the actual award. I like Lemmy. I don't care. Lemmy. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll we'll think about it. I think that's a great idea, though. So Pick maybe we'll do something. When when would we do it in December? Yeah. I th- End of we, the year. We, we could do it in December and not count the December book. So the December okay. book from the previous year through the November book, so that everybody will have had a chance to read them all. It sounds like you've thought this through a bit. I just thought thought that part up myself right there. Okay. <laughs> We also have a thread uh, by Eric, which is titled, The Martian Has Been Sword and Lasered. So, uh, you know, it is the end of the month, so we typically announce our next book pick. Um, And for um, May, I have decided to go with The Martian. Even though it is a laser, technically, and I am a sword, um, I was so interested by the description and by uh, Andy Weir's talk when we when we uh, did it for the podcast a couple episodes ago. I was like, I really want to read this. It sounds super cool. And so, you know, we'll, it, it works because, you know, A Dance of Cloaks was definitely a sword. And so now we're yeah, ready we're for a laser. Go into a laser. Right, but I didn't get to do a pick last month because Brian over here got to pick the book. So I guess I'm kind of picking the laser pick, which is exciting. Um, we'll go back to the normal. I'll be honest, later. though. Don't get too I, no, I'll, out. Be, I'll be honest. I would have picked this too. Like it's oh, a uni- okay. it's a unanimous pick. All know? right. Like the the talking about like not wanting to put Republic of Thieves down. Mm-hmm. I already finished this one, and that what? never happens. That never happens for it. me. I, I wanted to get a jump on it because I wanted to make sure that I didn't fall behind and I, I couldn't stop. All right. I well. actually on a Saturday, like cleaned the house, brushed the dogs, washed the dogs, took them for a walk, uh, organized some stuff, threw out some things from the garage, all so that I could just keep listening to the audiobook. Oh, so you did the audiobook version, huh? Yeah, it was really good too. Mm-hmm. All right, I might have to check that out. Though I'm listening to, uh, I'm still on Kevin Hearn. I'm I'm totally wrapped up in the Iron Druid Chronicles right now. So I don't know if I can do another audiobook right now. But anyway, to go back to Eric, he says I haven't been around long enough to know if there's a sword and laser version of Slash Dotted. Uh, well, maybe it's because it's just a new hot book. But when I saw Sword and Laser was going to read The Martian, I went to reserve it at my library, and I'm number 22 in line. Lots of sword and laser fans in Maryland. <laughs> we would like to think that. Yeah, no. but it's probably just the buzz. Like this book is getting buzz everywhere. Yeah, but I wanted to pick this thread because I thought it was a really fun way to kind of officially announce the book pick. Um, I had added it to Goodreads as our upcoming book read, and a lot of you got that email, and so I just thought it would be fun to say. You know, well, obviously it's going to be hard to get because we picked it as the book pick this month. So, you know, that has happened in the past, actually, on Amazon when we've selected certain like older book picks. They 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 disappear pretty quickly, especially yeah, if in paperback not too many form. Of them around. Yeah. Right. So it's it's possible. I like Brian, the sword laser effect. What are your thoughts on the Martian? To to be honest, I'm not much of a a, a laser myself. Mm. Um, so I'm actually not familiar with it too much, except for when you guys had talked about it on the previous podcast, but I'm definitely going to pick it up. Um, you know, I, I had to reread Dance of Cloaks and I just recently finished it. So yeah, but I'll, I'll definitely be starting it. I'm excited. Awesome. See, we're, we're exposing people to genres they wouldn't normally check out on their own. That is the whole point. So I'm very excited. Uh, speaking of things that we're very excited about, 
I know some of you who are uh, newsletter subscribers already got the information, all the details, um, but we have officially launched the Sword and Laser Anthology. There it is. Oh, I have my copy. Reach it. It has a uh, it has a forward yeah. by Patrick Rothfuss. There we go. Here it is. has uh, blurbs from Scott Sigler, Gail Carriger, and Sam Sykes, uh, and it's got twenty amazing stories: ten laser, ten sword, from people in the audience that submitted them. Uh, and it is available now. Go to swordandlaser.com/store to find the link uh, to buy the print version. Those of you who got the email. Uh, probably got a discount because we had to raise the price on the print version at the last second to be able to get it into uh, Amazon and Barnes and Noble and places like that. Uh, so you know, if you, noticed- I wish I'd known that. I maybe more people would have bought it if they had known it was at a discount at the time. Yeah. Well, now you do. We didn't um, know. We didn't know that yeah. was going to happen. So we don't didn't know that was going to happen until this afternoon. But it is officially yeah. available right now. So go check it out. Yay! Is it if on Amazon? So is it on Amazon yet? I haven't looked. No, it won't get to Amazon. It'll take a while for it to get into the system because we j- I just submitted it into that today. But you okay. can buy the print version at lulu.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that's where all the ones that came for the Kickstarter backers, they all came from lulu.com. So it, it, it's a perfectly fine way. And we make a little more money when you buy it from lulu.com. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I would like to go up on the Amazon charts. Like that would be amazing. But at the yeah. same time, we also want to recoup some of the costs it took to print this book. Um, the, uh, the ebook should show up. What's that? Oh, whichever way you want to choose. That's fine. Yeah. It's all gravy. The, the ebook should show up on as a Kindle book uh, sh- sooner than the print print one will show up. That's cool. It's also available on the iBook store. Yeah, it's already um, showed you, up in the iBook store. That's right. Yeah. So it's available as an EPUB uh, ebook over on Lulu um, or iBook store and soon Kindle as well. So I'm very excited. Lots of good stuff. Woohoo. Yes. Um, also, what else? What other news that we got? All right, I, I didn't think, think, think that's it, actually. That's it. That's it. Uh, we, as you guys know, we are on the Boing Boing podcast network. Um, there's tons of great shows over there, including the You Are Not So Smart podcast. Um, so check that out for sure over at boingboing.net slash category slash podcasts. They have a lot of great stuff, actually, um, including the Boars, Gore, and Swords show. Uh, they do talk about... Game of Thrones, of course, that is the main point of the show, and I'm sure they have a lot of great discussion over, uh, not last week's episode, but the week before, uh, which will go down in history as the rapey episode of Game of Thrones. Uh, So if you want to hear some more informed opinions about that, uh, definitely, definitely listen to that show. I'm sure they have a few interesting things to say. What did you think, Tom? Too much of a departure from the book? I don't think we have time. Yeah, adequately express what I think. Um, what weird, very, very, very odd. Weird stuff. Well, we also want to thank uh, Brian Benson for joining us here on the podcast today and for contributing to the Kickstarter. Brian, thank you so much for joining us. And where can people follow you online? Um, people can follow me on, um, well, on Twitter. Uh, my name is uh, Asher Rangart. R. It's A S H E R. R-A-I-N-G-U-A-R-T. Um, I'm also that same username at twitch.tv. Um, I stream games uh, from time to time, usually just something random in a name like a Japanese pigeon dating game. Oh, yeah, uh, that's a famous one. I like that one. And, uh, and you can also, you know, my book is on Amazon, on the Kindle store right now. Um, if there's enough demand, I will definitely um, pick it up, you know, put it on other 
you know, in other places. And also at uh, brianabenson.blogspot.com. So. All right. Well, so thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. I really of appreciate course. Of course, we appreciate all the help for getting Season 2 of Sword and Laser Video online. And, of course, if you want to get in touch with us, our email address is feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on Goodreads. And if you want to call and leave us a voicemail, the phone number is 415-7-SWORD-6. We'll see you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.